Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and he was going to do a pilot scheme and then he had a bit of a backlash and he decided, no, no, do you know what? I won't join this pilot scheme. Instead, I'll go back to doing what I should be doing and that's listening to Brad Ramble. Stu, how are you doing? I quite like a good ramble. I could go off on one now, actually, uh, for fun, but um, I won't. But yes, I'm pretty good, Tar. Yeah, not too bad at all. And just for people listening, this is a politics-free zone, so I got it out of the way in the intro. Awesome stuff. Do you know what else doesn't contain politics, Stu? What's that? People's opinions on video games, because they should not have politics in video games, but they do. (laughs) I know, I know. Yeah, politics is everywhere, and I like it. But yeah, no, video games, Stu. Let's go straight into it. It's a video game special. Um, We're covering a lot of games today. So what have you been playing? Well, a very strange one in lots of good ways. And it's still a disruptive game in the positive sense to this day, really. And that's Quake 2 RTX. So for those who don't know, RTX is this new sort of fancy way of, you know, having lighting in games, (laughs) to put it in very, very basic terms. And it really is a kind of, when it's got, when they get it right, it's a sort of transformative thing for, you know, for some games. It, yeah, I won't go too far down that road, but basically, yes. It puts the best Ghostbuster into games. That's, That's how I get it. Uh, RTX. No, okay, I don't get it. Ray. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Very good. Ray, yeah. Ray tracing. Actually, it's a good job. You make it sound funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All it does is it goes around the outline of the best Ghostbuster uh, over and over again. Ray tracing. Um, so, yeah, it's basically very pretty lighting. And Quake 2 RTX is like the basically the original game but with some modifications but then with this ray tracing put on top of it so it looks really gorgeous and it 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 shows just how impressive and how important lighting is to games it's like even if they're kind of fairly basic looking if they have great lighting then it really can be a a complete transformation so Mm. if you've not seen it i highly recommend going to youtube and looking at that and also looking at Minecraft with RTX yes. uh, and just look at the difference. Absolutely stunning stuff. It's still a really good game. It's still a kind of, it's more kind of a, it's still really a kind of like technical platform more than a full game in a way. I mean, it's, it's still, it's a good game. Like you can't get away from the fact that it's a good game. It's not as good as Quake, but it's still a good game. It's good fun. Uh, it's good. It's, it's quite simple. It's well balanced. And the best thing that it brings over is all of the stuff that it had learned about level design. And so there's great stuff, um, almost Metroidvania-y about it, although you don't need upgrades to go to certain areas. You just need to unlock stuff. So it's kind of a little bit puzzly. It's got a bit of that Resident Evil thing of fun backtracking. So you don't mind because you're going to experience something new. And... So yeah, lots of opening doors, but dropping drawbridges and opening hatches and they're kind of like secret areas and new areas. And some of them are are just secrets and you can collect extra weapons and some of them are access to parts of the level. And, you know, some of them make shortcuts and some make progress. 
so yeah and really vertical as well which a lot of modern fps's don't have like even even titanfall 2 which is held up as like one of the greatest single player experiences of the last sort of five ten years it doesn't have the level of verticality that quake 2 does so it's got loads of load and loads of good stuff in it so that's been a really good experience and uh yeah yeah really enjoying playing it yeah the R- the rtx thing it's um the first few depends on the game when you see it you kind of you don't notice it um on some things i think i saw it on control and honestly didn't notice it but my brain was going this looks better um, and I couldn't pinpoint exactly how that bit makes it look better or anything like that. It was clearly just because of the more dynamic lighting, but my brain was just going, yeah, this looks better. But I think when you see it on things like Minecraft and, as you say, Quake 2, that's where it really shows up. Um, there's there's a distinct difference because it, the graphics aren't super modern, realistic, almost photoreal anyway. The lighting changes just make much more of a difference to it. And yeah, it's an impressive thing. And Quake Quake 2 and Quake 3 are still, I think, the pinnacles of FPS, in my opinion. Ooh, that's good. Uh, yeah, there's um there's a few. And I think I, I can't I can't really rank them, but there are a few of the same level for me that kind of make the the whole almost holy trinity of of what FPS is, and they're kind of the sort of this the quake and doom ideal there's the half-life 2 ideal and there's the halo ideal and uh those sort of three play very differently from one another despite being all first person shooters but they're all absolutely essential kind of thing uh so yeah yeah i mean the reason yeah. i mean there's a there's it's one of those it's the reason it's quake has been the game that has um kind of defined my journey into certain eras of gaming so seeing quake after playing doom was like wow okay this is 3d and this is amazing how fast it was and what you could do with it and the freedom it said so that that just blew me away and just that i think that almost cemented like oh my god video games are going to be amazing and then my very first proper online console experience was quake free arena on um the dreamcast yeah and that blew me away it's like jesus wow online games with other people and uh discovering how rubbish you were at them at the same time but that that was like amazing and it's kind of those that have defined everything else for me so like you know they're not the best you know i yeah i i do believe that technically um, stuff like Halo is probably better. Um, the Call of Duties have advanced. You know, they've gone beyond what they should be and gone backwards, but at points have been probably the pinnacle of competitive shooters. But just in terms of what they mean to me personally, yeah, Quake, they're, just the, the, they're top tier for me. Yeah, they are fantastic. Just a very quick sidebar about Quake 3 on the Dreamcast. Me and my friends used to... Um, we all had Dreamcast and we all were online. Uh, very rare and uh, to have both of that combination. And what I what we used to do was use the feature where you could check your IP address in the game and then write it down. For, and then I would phone my friends, tell them the IP address, and then we'd all try and get on the same game. And it, it worked quite a lot of the time. <laughs> so you was the other few people that had a Dreamcast. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by that point, it's like, it was only about a year into its life as well, but it was already kind of dying. It was such a shame. But it should never, a... 
Yeah, it's a whole other discussion, but it oh, should never have. <laughs> they was giving away. They was doing Game Pass before Game Pass because I remember you got that toy car racing game for free. Yeah. Um, at some point, so it was like really, really cheap games and stuff like that. It was so sake. Um, we're gonna do a Sega special one day because they were so ahead of their time on so many things, but just at the wrong times. Yeah, we'll have to do several Sega specials because there's there's one I'd love to do about all their 2D arcade games. One yeah. I'd love to do about their 3D races and all the 3D games, and then one about the Dreamcast. But yeah, and I want to yeah. do one about the their, um, their their downloadable content for the Mega Drive. Uh, yeah and yeah. stuff like that as well and yeah it's just yeah we'll do a sega special one day when we when we run out of content we'll do a sega special <laughs> why not and the last thing to say on quake 2 rtx is that it's 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 very if you if you don't understand much about steam deck which is the new platform that valve are releasing is a handheld pc mm. there's a gaming pc um this this might help so Basically, when you go into Steam to play a game, you have the option to bring up big picture mode, which is a way of accessing a load of extra features that make it more like a console. And it has a, a layer built in of control. So not, you know, that controls your mind, but controllers. And it will auto load for you what it thinks are the most appropriate control settings. And most often it's just like Xbox control layout. Or if you've got a DualSense connected, it will go, it will load the DualSense or PS4, you know, DualShock 5, if there isn't um, support for the DualSense. But it picks out the right one. And with Quake 2, it automatically picked up and said um, WASD with a joystick. So it automatically configured my joystick for me into a playable format so that you could immediately play it because there's no controller support at all for quake 2 because way came way before even you know the standardized yeah. uh, d input not even you know x input didn't come back into windows xp i don't believe so anyway yeah so it, it puts this layer on where you're immediately able to use you know, your sticks in the classics you know left to move around right to move the reticle all the buttons, uh, all the weapons on the buttons, you know, all of it pre-configured. And it wasn't perfect. There were a couple that needed tweaking. But it's simply a case of, like, I was using the DualSense, you know, tapping the PlayStation button on it brings up the, the menu. Control configuration, couple of tweaks, bingo, bongo, done. And, yeah, it was really impressive. And on top of that, the center thing, I don't know what they call it on the dual sense, but the thing that was like the trackpad on the DS5, uh, DS5 controller. DS4, the PlayStation 4 controller. <laughs> yeah. So on that, it's a, a mouse pad as well. So you can even use it as like your left stick to move around and use the middle as the, the mouse. Oh, wow. And it just picks all of that stuff up. The only thing it doesn't have is rumble. And not only is that already available, but Valve are going to be improving it for the Steam Deck release. So it's a really, really exciting time when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah, I again, maybe we'll cover this one next week, a bit behind the times of everyone else who covered it this last week or so, but <laughs> I can't wait for the Steam Deck. The more I hear of it, the more I'm excited. I, I've pre-ordered the 64 gig one, uh, and I immediately just went, ah, oh, that, ah, uh, oh. Should I? And then I'm hearing that it's actually not going to be the worst thing to upgrade the uh, the internal memory on it. So yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. 
Yeah, we will do a separate bit on Steam Deck because it's really important. And I think there'll be quite a few people out there who haven't been in, in the sort of the maelstrom of PC gaming for the last sort of 10 years who don't necessarily realise how far it's come in terms of accessibility. And I'm talking about accessibility in sort of a general sense as opposed to, you know, helping with people with uh, yeah, disabilities. But yeah, You um, don't need to be a computer genius to play PC games yeah. anymore. Precisely. So much stuff is just loaded in for you these days. So anyway, Quake 2, RTX, an absolutely brilliant sort of 10 out of 10. It's kind of 11 or 12 out of 10 when it comes to a tech demo. If you if you want to see what your PC can do or you just want to experience RTX if you've got the right card, you know, give it a go because even if you don't like the game, we can't be bothered playing it. It just it's a really amazing tech demo. And it also happens to be bolted onto a really good game. Cool. Cool. Yeah, no, I I I might test that out. I've got an RTX card, so my twenty sixty, so I might give that a little look. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm intrigued with that one. Um, so I suppose this follows in nicely, this game then, to what to what you've been playing, because I've not been playing anything like a a, a classic or or a first person shooter that's well regarded. I've played something no one's probably ever heard of. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> oh, <I like. laughs> First game I've been playing is called A Tale of Synapse, A Chaos Theory. I've had this one a little while. It took me quite a while to get into, actually. But it's kind of this puzzle platformer game that's either single player or local co-op where you have two characters you control. One does basic platforming, has some basic jumps, and then gets um, some um, attack-based skills and, and stuff like that. And another one that you control by floating around the level and they pick objects up to help you solve puzzles and things like that. Um, and it kind of, it's based, like, there's all different types of puzzles and things like that, and it's based in real-world maths and science and, and and so on, but without going too deep into it. So, you know, even idiots like me can play it. But, yeah, it's a interesting game, shall we say. Oh, go on. It, so, <laughs> the concept of it is brilliant. I, I really like the concept of it. The puzzles in places are logic based mostly so it's like right how do i solve it? you can stand back you can look at it work out how to solve it but there were times where i was doing it and i was trying something and i accidentally solved it and they realized there was a lot of trial and error error elements put into it as well which really took me out it, it, it kind of for want of a better word pissed me off um, that I completed a puzzle accidentally. Yeah. Um, I was like, I didn't want to complete it that way. I knew how to complete it. So I, I oh. but it's, it's not all the time, but just in the times it does happen, it was so, ah, oh, that's not what I wanted to do, but now I can't do what I wanted to do. And it is, overall, it gets a bit cumbersome as well. But sorry, in places it gets a bit cumbersome. But, Overall, I did find it really nice to play. It was challenging in all the right places. I had to play it on the big screen, though, because, as with most games on the Switch, I played this on the Switch, developers do not consider text size, and the text was impossible oh, on, God. on this. Yeah. I think it's one of the first games I've had to go, I can't, what? I've got to play this on a big screen. 
yeah. most times you kind of squint a bit more uh, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just the way it worked on there, even the zoom function on the switch, the way the game was set out just didn't work. I either had to zoom in and read and couldn't do anything, or I had to guess uh, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, big screen with it in the end. Um, there's like dimension shift elements in it that work. So there's loads, loads of bit lift different bits in there that are really good. And but it just feels like they've thrown a lot at it and hope that something sticks. There's skill tree upgrades, uh, loads of things Ooh. like that. You know, and it it can get a bit repetitive in places. Um, and there are puzzle based bosses you have to take on. And the way I think it is, I think I'm on the like the last area of it over the last few weeks, and there's like four really good sized areas which I do like, but it's just overall it's it's all right. That's about all I can say about it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just all right. From what you said, it sounds like they've been trying to bite off more than they can chew a yeah. little bit, and I don't know. I mean, you know, we were talking about how. There's a lot of indie developers, and some of it can get lost in the shuffle. And and you know, some of them they're throwing too much at the wall to see if it sticks. At the same time, uh, even though they're very 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 talented, um, I'm wondering if we're looking at the the progress back to where there's more middle tier developers, where the people with the talent match up their skills and make studios. Uh, do you think we're anywhere near that? Because at the moment, there's still this great big gap between very, very indie developer studios with like two people and huge, huge mega corporations. Do you think we're getting towards that middle ground again, or are we still a way away from that? No, we are there, I, I think. Um, so if you look at certain indie titles that, that you've got now, and they're not massive studios, but they've clearly, they've got the talent they've brought in. They, you know, they're, they're likely the people that have stepped away from bigger studios to do their own thing. And ironically enough, I was listening to Giant Bomb the other day and they was talking about what do we call these, these indie games now um, or these studios? Because they're not indie as in like the old days of Jonathan Blow where he was making it on his own or Phil Fish and things like that we're getting teams now or they're just self-published um, so an indie game doesn't usually mean a small title it can be massive and and you've got that that side of it or they're getting outside funding so they're able to throw money what do we call those because right. they're not triple a clearly because they're not bound by corporate corporate decisions and things like that they are not even, I would say, the double A mid tier, um, because again, that they're still beholden to publishers. But the top quality indie games, where they have got, you can see the ones that have got the money or can do more with it because they've got the talent and the experience. They need, yeah, they they almost need their own definition in a way, because you look at something like uh, we spoke about it last week, Ecstasy, which is a single person develop game you look at um Mixalumia and they are brilliant um absolutely wonderful but you can still sense that you know there are bits that could improve or that you know maybe some other bits could go into it if it was a bigger team compared to I would still consider um something like Tetris Effect in a way if for me is an indie game um, because Enhance do it themselves. They, you know, it's self-published and everything. But that's, again, it's another puzzle game, but you can see what the experience and past knowledge and the, the 
budget that can go into something like that um, and the difference that makes. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know where it should go. I mean, if you was going to do it, I mean, Tell Synapse is, um, you know, it's one that I would say, for example, that give it a go in a sale or if it hits a Game Pass or a Humble Bundle or something like that, then yes, you'll get something from it. But it's unlike some indie games, it's not one I can say to you, honestly, I'll go out and seek this out because it's that good. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's why I always enjoy talking about this stuff with you because you know you know so much about it. You know so much more than I do about the the scene. No, it's always really cool. I I claim to know much about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, well, we we're all bullshitters on these on this stuff. But no, uh, you at least yeah. sound convincing, which is the main thing. So yeah, that's 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 my um. That's going to be on my on my tombstone. And it at least sounded convincing. Yeah, sums you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So what, what about you? What else? Well, I've actually played quite a few things recently, but all stuff that I've been talking about before on here. But I've, I've picked up playing Grandia again on the Saturn because I've, I've got some time because I'm part of the idle unemployed again. <laughs> but uh, hopefully not for long because I've got some job interviews lined up. So that's great. But um, Grandia is really good. I, you know... I'm really, really, really pleased that I've picked it up, and we'll, we will do a. We must set aside time to do like a Saturn special and a Dreamcast special because they're such unique and wonderful systems that we'll have to talk about yeah. them. But uh, the only thing other than Quake Two that I've been playing for the first time is Streets of Rage Four DLC, which is is shockingly good, shockingly good stuff. So it was under a fiver on Steam at least. I know the Switch is having problems with it. There's a technical issue, so people can't play it, which must be really frustrating. But on the PC, I've got it, and it's great, because what it does, it gives you a survival mode of the same kind of quality as Resident Evil Mercenaries, um, or perhaps even better, because what you do is you, you play survival mode, and it's just boxing ring style small arena where you uh, fight wave upon wave of enemies on different levels. And it gets to ridiculous amounts and ridiculous levels of power, both on you and the enemy, and it's just deliberately crazy. But the that's kind of expected. But what it also does is, the higher up you go, the longer you survive, the more moves you unlock for the character that you're using in the real game. So you play through survival mode and you unlock new uh, new moves, and then you just take them into your arcade mode or your story mode and get to use them. And... On top of that, there are three new characters in the DLC, and they're all excellent, like really genuinely good player characters. Uh, so the Shiva and uh, what's he called? Uh, that wrestler guy, I can never remember the name of, from um, the previous games. And there's the new one, Estelle, who's one of the bosses that you get to use. So for under a fiver, it's the best value DLC I've bought in, oh God, years. Yeah, no, that sounds interesting. It's interesting, actually, that there's still... DLCs become such a weird thing, um, and I don't, I don't, I can't think of another way to put it, because it seems to be because of the advent of loot boxes and live services and stuff like that. It seems to be those that do pure actual add-on content for games, almost, almost like the expansion packs in a way. Um, 
are seemingly sort of like getting good value out of it. They seem to be pricing stuff properly uh, and things like that. DLC seems DLC seems to have sorted itself out while the rest of the industry money-making schemes have just gone wherever they're going. But yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's one of those that... It's it's a total value add of ridiculous proportions, you know. It's kind of it adds so much to the game for a comparatively small amount of money, and it really, really worth it for anybody who's even slightly into that sort of game. But yeah, I agree with you on the DLC thing. It's in a slightly funny place at the moment. I mean, I saw this director's cut in inverted commas for uh, Ghost of Tsushima. That's the new thing, isn't yes. it? Yes, director's yes. cut. Yes, and it's like. It's like twenty dollars to upgrade to it, and I'm thinking, well, isn't that just DLC? Isn't twenty dollars like a, even if you get several hours out of it? Isn't that like really far too steep? Now, obviously, that's just my first impression because I've not, I've not seen the DLC in action, but that does seem like a money grab. I'm not sure about that one. What do you think? Um, oh God, right there, you go. We'll make notes for another special. <laughs> <laughs> um, director's cuts in games. I don't know. It just seems like another way of charging you for the same product. Yeah. When you get a director's cut in a film, I get it because you're getting the director's vision that he actually wanted. Oh, sorry, they actually wanted. I don't know. I just went directly to the masculine there that they actually wanted. So I get it. It could could add stuff. Sometimes it takes away. Sometimes it's in like a different orders and things like that. For a game... A director's cut of Ghost of Shinuma or Death Stranding, what's it actually adding? I, if you're going to be adding to a game like that, for me, both of these are like, what, 40-hour-plus games? Yeah. I actually want it to be a completely standalone expansion that I can go into and just experience that. What that's selling me is the same game again, that it wants me to play through the same game again to look for extra bits that might be in there. Ah, uh, that doesn't sit well with me. I actually, I, I hate the term Game of the Year edition, but I prefer that where it just goes, look, we're re-releasing the game and absolutely everything's in it now. Yes. Um, that I prefer. But again, all it's saying to me is now is don't buy big games straight away. Wait, see what happens. Yes, it, it does feel as though they're kind of going, well, we know that the whales, you know, W-H-A-L-E-S, are going to buy this title and that's where we'll make all our money and the whales will also buy the director's cut upgrade and a small proportion will jump in you know and buy it as from scratch because it's a it's the quote-unquote complete edition but yeah it does it does have a different feel to it from a game of the year edition which normally comes a little bit further down the life cycle maybe two years later yeah and you know it's kind of cheaper, and it's like two thirds of the price, maybe. And but it's it's got all the DLC, but that suggests that it's had a, a roadmap where it had DLC stuck into it. Whereas this just seems to go, well, we're giving you some DLC. It might be you know three hours or five hours worth of gameplay. Um, we've made a couple of tweaks to the menus, and we're going to charge you you know half the price of of what it was a year ago. And it yeah, I don't know, yeah. bit iffy. It feels planned. It feels like a corporate decision that was made before the games came out. Yes, yeah, it does. Um, And I don't want to dump on them, but both PlayStation console-exclusive type games, so you wonder how much Sony's business model is is part of this. Yeah. I I, I, I don't know, but it it, it stinks of corporate corporate stuff, and it is, yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame, but... uh, 
again, we'll see what happens over, I suppose, the coming months and years with, with this and where it goes. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to call anyone out who does buy these things again and again because, you know, I own the same game of Puyo Puyo Tetris God knows how many times. I, I've got... Um, Ecstasy and Mixlumia I've paid for twice on the same format um, via itch.io and Steam. Uh, um, you know, Bastion I've owned on everything as I have Transistor, everything that's out. So I've got no issues with people buying multiples of games and double, triple, quadruple dipping or whatever. But the corporations that have spotted this and are monetized and have got a strategy for monetizing that, no, they can do one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the the consumer is never really in the blame, in you know, in the frame for blame <laughs> for this sort of thing. That no. you know, uh, you would never have a go at some. Well, you and I wouldn't for buying a game multiple times because you know you do it with the games that you love, and over the course of your lifetime, it only tends to end up being like one or two things anyway. So, you know, who's being hurt? <laughs> it is the corporations monetizing that 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 is the problem, not the consumer. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the other things, I suppose, we're talking about DLC being in a strange place. One of the other things that's in a bit of a strange place now and seems to have settled down and doing the right things is games in early access. Okay. So I've been playing a game called Black Skylands, and it's a game that is in early access. But do you remember went through this period where certain in like certain people would put out a game in early access and it was just a cash grab of a game that was never going to be completed it was an asset flip and they just said early access yeah. and there was nothing yeah. there and then the ga- yeah so that seems to have died down now it actually seems to be decent games that are pretty f- like feature rich and are now out there for you to to sort of like help with the final elements of development and stuff like that so black skylands is one of these now Get ready. This is a top-down shooting open world game with aerial combat and farming and town building elements in it. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Right. So, so we talk about, uh, I forgot what it's called, a tale of synapse before, uh, maybe throwing and hoping things stick. When I first started playing this, this is how it felt to me. And I was like, but it's actually not. So to get some idea, you get this character and your father comes back from wherever he's been and he, you get sent on a bit of a, a mission, a nothing mission, you know, the way a lot of these sort of games start. is, oh, could you go and do this little thing for your dad? Yeah, of course I can, dad, off I go. And while you're out there, you get, this is the tutorial, you'll learn how to do different types of movement, different types of combat, and basically it's your tutorial. You come back and, you know, the proverbial is then, hit the fan shall we say. The village has been attacked, everyone's dead, and you go out on a mission of revenge. That's kind of what I got from it. The story then does some bits, and it, it confused my, my brain anyway. And it's it's really interesting. So to break it down, the, the top-down shooting stuff is a bit like a less puzzly version of Hotline Miami. Not as tight as Hotline Miami, but it's that if you're looking for, like, oh, that's what it's trying to be. Um, the aerial combat stuff is interesting. Like, you could, it focuses on melee for the top-down shooting stuff, which is weird. It's got quite a lot of guns on offer, but it, it really uh, wants you to do melee-based things. The aerial combat is, uh, you know, it's, it's basic. It feels like it's been... 
it almost feels like it's not the main focus, but there's a fair amount of it. It's really weird. And the open world is like this platforming stuff. Uh, they're like the main bits. But the idea is, because your village has been ransacked, attacked, destroyed, you've got to help build it back up, which is where the farming elements come into it and the building elements and stuff like that. Um, so... It's, to be honest, I found that, like, so let's go back. I'm sort of all over the place here. The aerial combat I found was the most fun in the game. It felt really satisfying. Yeah. But I was kind of intrigued as to more what the farming stuff was, even though that felt like it was something they decided to tack on for some reason. It's got a loads of depth to it for something that, that, that seems tacked on. It feels like they could have made a completely separate game of the farming element side of it really really weird um and rather than it being one game i'm almost looking at this guy could they have released this as three shorter experiences in one game package that all tell the same story from different perspectives so you've got this guy who's like ah oh, revenge top down shooting melee i'm gonna go and get full revenge have a game that's based around the aerial combat side of it that works and and does this um and this is their story and then the one who's doing the farming and the building back have their side of that story and then bring it all into one or something like that and have it interchanged uh, rather than it just being this like one main character. So yeah, the farming is a distraction, but I really liked it. I wanted more of that. So, so weird. Uh, but my main, I mean, there's also, again, this is kind of loads of it being thrown in. There's these survival elements to it as well in terms of you need to manage your your ship in the aerial combat stuff you need to manage sort of like what what you upgrade what you fix what what weapons you get for it and 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 stuff like that Um, so it just feels like so much there competing for your attention um and it's just really it's a good game it's a really good game it's a good idea but what I feel it needs now is just really does need some tightening up before they go to full release, which I believe is like six months to a year down the line. Um, but yeah, really feature rich. Everything's in there that needs to be in there. I just, I, again, I don't know where I stand on it because there's so much going on. It overwhelmed me. It, 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 I started playing it, then struggled with it, went back to it. Struggled with it and pushed through. But yeah, interesting. Interesting game that I, again, I can't recommend, but I can't say don't play either because there's something there. Just whether they can find that or not for the full release, I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, you know, checking my notes in real time, as it were. And Mm. it looks messy, you know? Just even with the sound off and with very basic stuff going on, it's so it's so cluttered and there's so much going on even though it's rather simplistic it looks like yeah. to me almost like an early amiga game or amiga demo kind of thing where they're like you know very sort of you know late 80s early 90s style let's chuck a few different gaming things in and see see what works and you know that's laudable in one way because it's nice that people are trying new stuff but also, we're, we're kind of mature enough in gaming now to have realised what works and what doesn't. And it does look like it's got a lot of potential, but perhaps just too much at once. And, and my kind of my approach, if I was a, a developer, a designer, would always be, right, 
get my ideas together and make them as absolutely simple to play as feasibly possible. And then whilst I'm playing it, find out through play what additional stuff would make it deeper, you know, and more satisfying. I think if they've come into it with, right, I want to have, I want to put together these elements to make it sophisticated. I think that might be the possibly, if that's what they did, then that might possibly be the wrong way of going about it, if you see what I mean. Mm. See, it feels like, there's two ways I, I look at it. It feels like they never had confidence in any one element to drive the entire game, um, which is a shame in and of itself because all the elements it has are good and I feel could have driven a smaller game. Yeah. So there's, there's that side of it. So that's that's the biggest shame for me. They felt they couldn't uh, rely on any one element. But it also feels like I've walked into their offices on day one and gone, guys, I've got this idea for a game and I've tried explaining the game to them and that's what they've made. Right, yes, yeah. So, I mean, you heard me describe games. As you like, Describing this one, you can hear me going all over the place, but it sounds like, again, that's what they've made. I've tried to describe this game, and that's what they've gone and made, exactly to my specifications. As I said, it's not bad. At no point am I saying this is a bad game. It's a good game, but it's so overwhelming that it just needs someone now to go in and just go, right, calm down. Let's look at this. Let's slow it down here let's maybe do more of this or something i don't know because they could probably keep all these parts if it didn't overwhelm you so much um early on let right. let it all breathe a bit but yeah i i just say it's an interesting one I, I i can't recommend people go dive into it now but i'm interested to see what it does on final release cool i hope it gets there i really do mm. I'm just looking at it. I oh, see. I don't. I'm not trying to dump on it, but this isn't necessarily even about this game. But it's got that graphical style where it's kind of aping the Mega Drive and and the Amiga, which were very very similar. Yeah. Um, one was much more power, powerful than the other, but the other one mm. had much more RAM. But um, they had the same processor. But anyway, um, yeah, it's done that thing where it's got yeah pixelated this pixel style but with a fairly modern lighting engine. I really hate that. I can't stand it. I can't stand when they try and blend that kind of retro style visuals with real with really modern lighting effects. It just looks like garbage to me. It'd be like having a black and white film, but with like really obvious CGI in it, you know? It's just, it just does, the two just don't work for me together. I, I almost want to see that, though. Well, yeah, <laughs> you could make something good of I'd it. I'd almost, like, I'd love to see some old sort of like Lauren Hardy or Charlie Chaplin with like some ninety style CGI rock scorpion kin in yeah, there. Yeah, that would be hilariously entertaining. And then do a game, then make a game around that as well. Yeah, Sam Barlow could do yeah. it. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I always come out with these things, and, and they end up being far better ideas like i'm like oh they'd be rubbish yeah. if you did this and they're like ah would it though <laughs> that sounds pretty cool you're you're the opposite of most people go, i've got this really good idea you're going nah you're doing oh no this would be old one i'm going do you know what i'd watch that i'd play that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah so and anything else from you i don't think there's anything worth mentioning really no 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 okay so 
Next one I've been playing, I told you I've been busy over the past couple of weeks. I've been playing Ease 9. Is it Ease? Yes. Ease? Ease, ease like geese. Ease. Ease. Like geese. Ease. Think of ease. geese. Ease. Yeah, like you're dropping like you're dropping a bit of a beat at the end. Ease. 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 Like that. Please don't do that again. <laughs> All right, I've been playing <laughs> East 9. And it's uh, a game I, st- I discovered back on the, not the East 9, but um, uh, the East series. I discovered back on the Vita um, with um, East 7. Um, and then I played Origins. And then I played 8. And I really, 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 really enjoyed them all. Um, they're ARPGs and they do really good things. Um, I like the idea of discovering the maps as you go. I think, um, you know, I, I does the say like Diablo does it. Like you walk around and you open up the map and then you can see what was on the map. Ease does it really well as well. So East 9 is set after East 7 and not East 8. East 8 is kind of separate off in its own world. This is a direct sequel almost to 7. And... Like most of them, it's a slow burner to get going. So you start within like this prison and it takes you quite a while to get really out into the open world with it. But then once you get past, I suppose, the opening hour and a bit, it the, the game just moves at a great solid pace. I think they all do. All the East games do. They all move at this really good solid pace. And again, because they're so story rich, I don't know what I can say or what I should say without ruining it. But if you've played any of the others follows the same sort of thing um if you've played any arpg or jrpg in the past then yeah that sort of story you know adult christine is the main protagonist still um, which i found really a really comforting feel again i don't know if it's just me with adhd and and sort of like things like that but i find it really comforting that he's a repeat but yeah so again if you if you played any games in the series if you played any jrpg get the story i'm not going to ruin it for you because it is it, these games rely on their story quite a lot i'm a good well, i'm 20 hours in now um and it still feels fresh um, which i really like it doesn't break any new ground there's a couple of new elements put in there but it doesn't do anything particularly exciting on you and again i like that because i haven't got to relearn a game that i should know character interaction within it is good as always, you know, the characters are always really likeable in the Ease games. And yeah, um, it's a huge strong point for the series, I think, that the uh, character development and interaction makes the story. Yeah. But what you've got is the main hook of it is you obtain these things called monstrums. Um, and they help you get better. They add more verticality to your traversal and stuff like that, giving you abilities, um, which is really good. And they help you in battle, especially against the bosses. And it teaches you how to use like strengths and weaknesses against like the Nox enemies, which are sort of like the harder enemies and stuff like that. So again, it's, it's all these slightly new tweaks that make it sort of like really worth playing and give you just enough to relearn without making you think it's a completely brand new game there's side quests in it because there always is side quests in games like this so they're all fairly short but i enjoyed them doesn't feel like too much of a grind and they you do get the benefits from them um, and for me it's still one of the best arpg games on the market you know this and diablo probably still stand out toward diablo 2 definitely and the uh, diablo 3 if you've got like the final version of diablo 3 not as it originally was but yeah, I'm really, really, really liking it. Um, it's got 
so talking about accessibility, it's got any time save in it. As long as you're not in an actual battle, you've got any time save. You just press a button, save, done. Love that. Every game should have that. You should be able to save at any point you want in a game. You bought the game. Let me save it. Yeah. I believe the only reason it doesn't let you save during a battle is because obviously um, there's so many different sort of like connotations of what's ha- causing that to happen in a battle that it can't save that exact moment. I get that. But anywhere yeah. else, it yeah. saves. All games should do it. Brilliant. Well done, East. Um The Switch performance apparently isn't the best, but I haven't noticed it. I haven't noticed any issues. <laughs> I don't notice it. But yeah, superb game. Cool. So what's the magic system like? Is it a classic JRPG magic system turn-based kind of thing? No, 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 no. It's uh, more, um, it's, all, it's all real time. There's some semi, so it's this weird thing. If you notice a lot of these games now have started going into this like real time, but semi turn-based areas in it as well. Yeah, it's kind of got yeah. that, but it's more real time based. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's how Japanese developers see the, the future of RPGs. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't because I don't. I don't really play them, and when I do, I like to play the throwbacks, really. But um, yes, yeah, yeah, no, oh, fair play. I've got a game for you in a minute. Ooh. Um, but yeah, no, it's a really, really good game. It's, I, I don't know what you can say about the East games in terms of those who know them, know them, and they're going to play them. You know, if you like them, is this a good starting point for someone new? No. Get Origins and then play through one of the other ones and then jump into this, maybe. Um, but anyone who's played any of the others, then yeah, it's more the same. It's brilliant. Cool. So, next, we're going to go to. Oh, let's go. Let's, let's tell you the classic one that I think you will absolutely love if you get a chance to play it. Um, oh, go on. And that is Chris Tales. That is the indie homage to JRPGs that has been, over the past, I would say, what, year, people have been building up and building up and building up as being something very excited and can't wait to play it. Um, So we originally was going to have, um, Brent was going to be reviewing this, um, but he's kind of tied into having to write a review for another publication and can't, part of his what is it stuff with them is he can't write about the same game for someone else but so i I, i've covered it so apologies if i butcher any of this but what you've got here is a classic jrpg with many of the classic jrpg hooks in it but you've kind of got this like so it's all turn-based so you've got your attack, your skills, your defense, blah, 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 parties and things like that. And it's all properly turn-based. And if you, yeah, so that, that's all there. You know all this. But the cook on this one is it adds in a time travel mechanic. And this time travel mechanic works through your general overworld stuff um, as you move through the levels and in battle as well. So as you're, the screen, as you're walking through and doing things, is split into three. And you've got in the middle, you've got your present where you are. To the right, you've got your future. And to the left, you've got your past. And you basically, the idea is as you're doing things, you kind of see what happened in the past to help you make decisions in the present to change the future. Nice. Um, and But you can also use this time travel mechanic. And it's not time travel like, um, sort of like, as we would like, like your back to the future style time travel. I would say it's almost... Um, 
butterfly effect style time travel um where it's you're kind of able to change things for the future you see the effects it is rather than you getting into some kind of travel machine and going directly and influencing it anyway um but it works in battle as well so you've got these like the first time it really hits you you have an enemy that you can't attack properly it's always like it puts up shields and things like that so you can instead of attacking it there you can attack it in certain ways or do things to it in the past which means it it's not able to protect itself properly in the present and then you can get the attacks in the present to do better damage on this enemy wow and it's really tricky it sounds convoluted it sounds like it should be really difficult but if i can understand it and i went into it and went wow this is surprisingly intuitive then yeah i uh, jrpg fans will love it absolutely love it it's you know i i i i thought i'd bounce off this um, but I'm intrigued. I want to see this one through to the end. I've, I've not completed it yet. It will take me a long time to complete. But, oh, I am absolutely loving it. Animation is beautiful, by the way. And you know sometimes when you look at JRPGs and you see it and you've got this wonderful art style, it's like it looks beautiful, but it's static. Yeah. Uh, with maybe eye animations or slightly different poses. No, this is fully animated. It's like an anime is going on on in the game itself, and yeah, the you know okay, the story's interesting as well. The story's not too over the top. I mean, it's magical, like things that are going on. There's a talking frog right at the start, so you know, nice. Uh, um, it looks a bit, it looks a bit like Hypno Frog, in my eyes. Oh no, <laughs> um, it isn't. But that, that was uh, I mean, that's, that looks a little bit like Hypno Frog. But anyway, um, yeah, it's talking frog, and he gives you some abilities, um, blah, 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 and then it all goes off. But it's not too over the top. It, we're not going into sort of like some Final Fantasy territory here. And Chris Bell, yeah, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, Chris Bell, yeah. who's the main protagonist, is wonderful. Um, she's got so the way she is in the game. She could either, they could have either got a right or she could have completely ruined the game. She's just the right side of the line of being lovable. Slightly high-pitched voice that they do and things like that and kind of um, fascinated by everything and everything sort of like, the way she talks is so la-la-la-la-la-la and things like that. It doesn't get great in where it could have done. So fair play for getting that balance right. And I say it's challenging without being convoluted and it is very, very, very clever in places as well. Um, highly, highly recommended and I believe it's out on pretty much everything. Switch, PC and it's also on Game Pass. So there's that. Yeah, <clears throat> I've, I've had it advertised at me a lot and I've just been like, oh, I don't know what all that is. I'm not going to bother, which is kind of the opposite of what you're supposed to do with Game Pass. Yeah. It's <laughs> completely daft. So I'm not quite sure why I haven't clicked with it. But um, I recommend. Yeah, no, it, it looks really good. I recommend giving at least the first couple of hours a go and seeing if it sticks then. It does enough in that first couple of hours to decide whether you're going to want to play on. Yeah, no, well, now that you've described what it is, I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I should be able to just play it on anything. It's one of those things that will be fantastic for the Steam Deck as well. It's just, yes. they, uh, for me, those sorts of games, ideal for it, you know? Yes. 
I know a lot of people have said, oh, you know, it's not competition for the Switch, really. I was like, well, it isn't, but it is, because you want to play this sort of stuff as cheaply as you can, and you don't get any cheaper than Game Pass. So, you know, yeah, just having a handheld Game Pass device. yeah, And not having to wait for games to come on the Switch as well. Yeah, yeah. You never know, this might, might push the Nintendo towards allowing Game Pass on their device, but I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> it's Nintendo. They'll do something that you just go, bloody hell, Nintendo actually went and done that. And then they'll do something, you go, of course Nintendo went and done that. <laughs> yeah. So before we move on, there's one I'm kind of sneaking in there because it's technically, well, it's not out yet. It's got a Kickstarter. And um, I had a go of it last night after being sent the demo build for uh, Kickstarter backers, I believe it is. And it's called The Garden Path. Okay. And what you've got here is just a relaxing, atmospheric life sim about gardening and the joys of gardening. I don't like gardening, by the way. I won't go out there and garden in real life, but it's about the joy of gardening. Um, And it focuses, the idea is to focus on what, what, what are the small pleasures in life? And it's got sort of like a few different elements in it um, that the demo focuses on, which are literally a slice of what the game. So the demo really wanted me to look at um, the game's art style, which is really lovely. Characters that are in there and the way they interact with things and each other. Uh, Lovely, really calm music as well in there. And there's fishing. I like games that have got fishing in them. Um, Animal Crossing is the best bit about Animal Crossing. Um, but what you've got here is a game that's designed to be played, I believe, that part of the thing they said was it's designed to be played in very small bursts on a daily basis. Um, so again, it's, it's that, that, again, that whole Animal Crossing thing, but it feels different to Animal Crossing. Do you remember I spoke about Cozy Grove a little while back and said that's like very much it's Animal Crossing? Um, but an indie version. Yeah. This is not. This is, this is kind of got everything you describe about it is almost like oh yeah, it's Animal Crossing. It's not. It's not trying to be Animal Crossing. It's very. It's much lighter, and it's designed just as a way that you could probably go. Right, end of the day, let's do ten minutes garden path. That's what it's looking like. But yeah, played the demo. It's on Kickstarter. Uh, so if you go onto Kickstarter and search for the garden path, you'll find it. Highly recommend taking a look at it and backing it if you can. It's from a team called Carrot Cake um, who are making it absolutely lovely. We'll put links on tw- on our t- on Twitter um, and in the uh, on the post and everything like that. But yeah, just a quick mention for that because I, I, I really loved what I tried of that last night. And I'm done with that now because I'm, I'm going to wait until the full release. Right, fair play. When is the full release? Does, do they know? Have they given a date yet? I haven't noticed anything that says about a date or anything yet. So I would imagine it's at least, well, I mean, going on at least a year off yet. But, uh, you know, I, that, I suppose that's if it meets its um, goals on Kickstarter, which I really, really hope it does because it's, 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 yeah, it's fascinating. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So it's just primarily a relaxation game. You're not supposed to achieve anything in it. I think you do. There are things to achieve, but not. In terms of that's gonna force you to do it, kind of thing. So there are like little targets and goals and things like that, but nothing that's like there to sort of like go. Oh, if you don't do this, then you failed our game. Um, you can kind of go and do it, um, but you haven't got to. And yeah, it's just 
Again, I suppose again, it's like Animal Crossing without being Animal Crossing, where, yes, there's goals in Animal Crossing, but if you don't want to do them, you haven't got to. Fair enough, yeah. From that, I wanted to give that a mention before I got on to what is my final game of the week. Um, it's a long one in terms of games. So, so one of my favourite genres, always has been, is the FMV game. And I was given one of these to play a couple of weeks ago. And I've been playing through it, and it's called... Oh my god. Very nearly got us into a lot of trouble there. You'll need to tune in next week to find out why. But that, that's it That's it from us. Um, it's a games special this week. Um, and yeah, check out any of the games, really. There's some interesting ones. Um, and as I said, please, please, please do go check out The Garden Path because that's going to be one I'll probably wax lyrical about in a year or so when it comes out properly. But yeah, no, that's it. We did no politics. I know. Look at that. I know. And I feel good <laughs> for it. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, me too. Yeah. We would like your feedback. We're always unsure about, is it worth us splitting out the podcast for a games podcast and a mental health discussion podcast? Or do you like it that we mix the two into a single podcast? And how do you feel about the, the length of these podcasts? Um, should we extend the length, shorten the length, or... Does it not matter? You know, we'll take a half hour one. We'll take one that's an hour and a half. Whatever you really don't mind. So, please do feedback on Twitter or podcast at Mental Health Gaming. It really does help us. Um, and with that, I'm going to shut up now and pass on to the wonderful Stu. Yeah. So thank you for that, everybody out there. Hope you have a good week to come. Hope that you're coping okay with the heat if you're based in the UK. It's very, very hot. And wherever you are, hope you're coping with the weather. Obviously, it's fairly extreme at the moment. Make sure you're looking after yourself and drinking plenty of fluids and staying out of it wherever you can. Don't put up with any crap from your employers if they're being funny about situations that are ruled against in law. Other than that, follow us on all the socials. Like and subscribe where you can. Join us on Patreon if you feel like paying towards us or giving a one-off on coffee. And other than that, have a great week, stay safe and stay sane.